Welcome. We are uh, in a series called uh, Kingdom Come, and we're kind of just talking about the thing that Jesus talked about the most, the kingdom of God. It was Jesus' main sermon topic. He uh, talked about it everywhere he went. He talked about it in small groups. He talked about it to his disciples, to crowds. Um, his, his main message kind of was summed up in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. It says this. He said, the time has come. He went around preaching. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so he talked about it, he preached about it, he told stories about it. Every time he healed somebody or he would send out um, his disciples to go heal, he would say, go tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to them. When he would heal the kingdom of God, he was bringing the kingdom of God to people. And so today we're going to take a look at one of the parables that uh, Jesus explains the kingdom of God. So many times we'll, we'll Jesus, before he begins a parable, a short story, he would say, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like that. And uh, we're going we're gonna to turn, if you would, if you've got your version Bible or whatever you've got, you've got your Bible in your hand, turn it with me to Matthew chapter 18. This is kind of where we're going to get, um, we're going to work through today. Let me give you the backdrop before we read it of this parable. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus has just finished essentially telling the disciples and uh, other people like this is how we confront people when they've sinned against us. So let me just read it for you. Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to read these two verses, verse 15 and 17. It says this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Amen. That sounds starting out really good, isn't it? Um, Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Verse 17. If they refuse to still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, this could be a sermon all by itself um, because I believe that this is... uh, really kind of Jesus outlining some of the way to confront sin within the, the church body um, that still applies today. And, but it, so it answers a lot of questions, uh, gives us a framework for how we, how we handle confrontation and work through issues as a body of Christ. But it also raises a whole lot of questions, like that last part about like pagans and tax collectors and I don't know, how am I supposed to treat pagans and tax collectors and, and what, is, what does that mean? How am I supposed to work through that? So a whole lot of questions, a whole lot of like, things go on in our heads. Um, and Peter stands up, and he asks a question that all of us want to know the answer to. And uh, we're going to pick it up here in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Why don't you stand up with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Peter, after hearing, okay, this is how you handle conflict. When somebody sins against you, you go to them, then you bring somebody else, then you, then you bring them to the church, and then this is how you do it. And Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, um, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? Good number. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he he begged, and I'll pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll, I'll pay it back. Sounds familiar. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that, that had happened. Then the the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. 
I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should, be, should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Lord, I thank you for your word, uh, even if it is incredibly uh, difficult at times because life happens and uh, people hurt us and we hurt others. Um, I thank you that, that your word applies to real life, not just to spiritual life. Um, and I pray that we wouldn't leave this place the same, that, that we would leave this place more free than when we first came. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. So, the first thing that we have to notice is this, and if you're taking notes, I think it, it's in your bulletin or whatever, um, or if on an NLC.today, is this, like, it is shocking how seriously God takes the issue of forgiveness. Like, if you read that, like, if you're, if you don't, if you're not shocked by this, you're not paying attention. I mean, the words that Jesus uses in this story to bring about and to talk about forgiveness is shocking how seriously he takes this because Jesus is communicating that like forgiving other people is not an option in the Christian life. That in and of itself should shock you. That like forgiveness is what it means to be a Christian. This is a, a, an incredibly um, straightforward, this whole parable starts out with um, Peter asking uh, the question that probably all of us want to know because we're, we've all been hurt and we've all been probably hurt continually by maybe even the same person. Um, and, and so Peter comes up and asks this question, verse 21, let me read it again. He says, Peter comes, comes to him and he says, Lord, um, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Now think about this. Like, He's just like you and I, he's probably had somebody in mind, right? When he was thinking about this question. C.S. Lewis uh, said, Every, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive, right? We all like, oh yeah, forgiveness is great. We want it, yeah, absolutely. You should forgive me because I'm sorry and all that kind of stuff. It's a lovely idea until you have something or someone to forgive and then all of a sudden it becomes... Uh, a little more sticky, because you know Peter probably had like these, um, maybe one of the other disciples in mind when he was asking this question. I mean, these disciples were always like in, uh, in competition with each other, and some of them clearly didn't even like each other. They'd be like, hey, why do we have to walk with this guy? Like, why, why'd you pick him to be with us? And it's like, he can hear you. He's right here. I mean, they would literally like have these arguments. And if you've ever watched The Chosen, they do a great job of portraying this like hodgepodge of these 12 dudes that do not get along from different walks of life. And maybe he was thinking like, you know, I, I have a feeling that Peter and John didn't get along really well, even though they were in the, the, the inner three. Maybe he's like, you know what, Jesus, I know you like John, but I can't stand this guy. Like, he call, literally calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves, like right in front of us. And he, besides that, he always wants to race me everywhere we go. Like, he's always like, hey, I'll beat you, beat you, beat you. And I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, roll up, right? Like, I don't know. He's probably got somebody, just like every single one of us, when we read anything that has to do with forgiveness, we've got somebody that boop, pops right up into our head. And then Peter, like, tries to offer, like, a fair option, which I, and anyone in here would be like, that's a pretty fair number that he comes up with. He, he essentially is like, hey, I, I think uh, maybe seven times would be a good, a good option. Don't you love it when people ask you a question, but they have an answer already that they just want you to say? My kids do that, right? Like, I have a question to ask you, but I want you to say yes before I ask the question, right? Like, I mean, he literally comes up and he says in verse 7, he's like, up to seven times? Most rabbis would teach like three strikes, you're out. Like you could, you could three times and then you were, you were good. And so he's like, this is better than most of the rabbis. I'm just going to go seven is like a heavenly number. Like in John, by the way, just did that thing the seventh time. So I think seven times would be, would be good. And then Jesus answers, I tell you not, not seven times, but 77 times. Other translations 
kind of take this math problem and they actually say that it could be better translated 70 times seven times. So like not seven times, not, not 77 times, maybe 490 times. No matter how you do the math, nobody wants to hear this answer. I don't care. 77 times, 490 times. Uh, because personally, it sounds really harsh coming from Jesus. Like, as I read this, I'm thinking, like, I kind of think that Jesus maybe should have asked Peter, like, a qualifying question so that he could better understand how grievous the situation was, right? That's what I would want Jesus to do for me. Like, how many times have I got to forgive this person for the thing that they did to me? I kind of think that Jesus should, like, you know, maybe ask the question, well, Peter, that kind of depends. The number of times really depends on what they've done to you. Well, maybe it's seven for this or 77 for that, but maybe 490 for that, or maybe it's just one for, for the thing that they did to you. But the thing that, that, that frustrates every single one of us in here is that Jesus doesn't ask any qualifier. It's almost like he doesn't care what the offense was. And that angers me. And that like ticks me off. Because for every single one of us, we've got something that like, yeah, that thing that someone just did this morning or has done in our past. And I tend to think like Peter, like if I have to forgive you, I'll give you seven times. Then you're done. I'm done. You're dead to me, right? And Jesus is essentially saying that forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. It's about communicating something about your freedom. Jesus is saying something about forgiving that like messes up with the math problem that we want to make it into, like 7, 77, 490, how many times? He, he refuses to lean into that. And it's frustrating. Let me read you another scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus, in the words, they're in red, says this, for if, catch this, I'm going to wrestle this to the ground, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What? You got what? Like, I mean, I know we can get into the whole, you know, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm once, I'm once saved, always saved. And this, oh God, why would that have anything to do with me? I mean, do we really believe that scripture? And if we do, let, the point would be this. Then we would never have a problem forgiving other people. Because we'd be like, actually, it's in my best interest, literally in my best interest to forgive this person, right? Because I don't know about you, I am unwilling to allow somebody else's stupid to keep me from receiving God's forgiveness, like, in, in reality, if, if you're kind of holding on to this thing, the stupid that they've done to you, the meanness, the, the abuse, the whatever has happened, if you're allowing them to, uh, holding that thing back in unforgiveness, you're essentially allowing their idiocy to hold you back from God's forgiveness. And they don't deserve it. Talk about deserving something. They don't deserve that type of power over your life. Amen? Amen. So, verse 23. Jesus begins by telling this story of kingdom math and what this looks like when it comes to forgiveness. And he starts out with what we've been talking about, kingdom come, right? He says, verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, just keep that in mind, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, 10,000 bags of gold sounds like a whole heck of a lot of money. Whether you're talking about 10,000 bags of gold back in Jesus's day, you're talking about 10,000 bags of gold today, that's a whole lot of money. It's estimated to be like maybe like $12 million. 
Some scholars go so far as to say it is even closer to like a billion dollars. Either way, this is like a story, and Jesus is using this like to extrapolate, to, to bring out this reality that he wants to make a point that this guy owed an absolutely ridiculous sum of money. Let's say it's a billion dollars, right? It doesn't really, really matter. It's, it is so ridiculous, right? Jesus pretty much says like, okay, this guy comes up and he owed me a billion dollars, right? Just billion, trillion, quadrillion dollars. And he says this in verse 25, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. In other words, I'm going to sell you, your kids, your family all into slavery. I'm going to liquidate all of your assets and I'm taking all of it because you owe me a billion, trillion, quadrillion dollars and you can't pay it. So I'm going to take all of it and put you in jail until you can repay it, which is obviously put somebody in jail. They're not actually making too much money in jail. Now, I want you to pay close attention to what the servant asks for. Verse 25 or verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant asks the master for more time, which is absolutely ridiculous. Because if anybody owes you a billion trillion dollars, you know if they come up to you and they're like, just give me another week. I swear I'll pay you your billion trillion dollars next week. Just, I know, I know I owe you rent of a billion trillion dollars. Just give me, just let me float it one more month. I, I swear, I swear I'll do back, back rent and I'll pay you the billion trillion um, the first of the month. I, I, I swear, well, just give me more time. So ridiculous. It's, 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 it's absolutely ludicrous that this guy even thinks that he could maybe one day be able to pay back this thing. And look how the master responds, verse 27. The servant's master took pity, took pity, took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. That word took pity is that same Greek word that I've preached on before, splachnizomai, like splachnon, right? It's, it's often translated as this, moved with compassion. It's the same word that precedes so many of Jesus's miracles, so many of Jesus's healings, so many of Jesus, like when he goes and feeds the 5,000, you can go and read through the gospels time and time and time again. It starts out with Jesus moved with compassion, went to that person and healed them. Jesus moved with compassion, fed the 5,000. Jesus moved with compassion. It's literally that same word that we see time and time again. That word took pity is the exact same word that, that we see moved with compassion. Because forgiveness always begins with compassion. So if you're having a hard time forgiving, begin asking God for his compassion to help move you. It's not something that you can stir up in the inside of yourself where you're like, man, I just, this person hurt me, stole from me, cheated on me. Uh, this person has slandered me. This person has gossiped about me. This person has abused me, raped me. This person has, like, you're never going to come to this point where you just work it up in the inside of yourself. You're like, yeah, I just, I can't help myself but to forgive them. No, actually, <laughs> you can help yourself. Right? There's the, the reality is, is unless we are moved with compassion, which is something that comes from the inside, from our spirit, we, 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 it is absolutely preposterous to think that we could forgive someone. He says he took pity. He, moved, he was moved with compassion because he knew that the debt could never be paid. And rather than putting the servant on a payment plan, he cancels the debt completely. And the kingdom of heaven is just like this. Because God did the same thing for you. Rather than put you on a payment plan, oh, you got a, a huge debt of sin that is absolutely ludicrous and you think, oh, just give me, just give me like, I, I don't know, I'm going to help a, an old lady cross the road and I was going to give you some more money. Oh, you want more? Okay, I'll be able to pay this thing off. And God's looking at you like you realize that the debt that you owe is so great and so amazing and so over the top. Like, are you kidding me? You think you get, in one more month you're going to be able to pay off this debt of sin? No. 
I'm not going to put you on a payment plan. I'm not going to have a behavior management, sin management program. Like literally, I'm going to cancel your debt so that you can walk free without that debt on you. The kingdom of heaven is just like this. This is just like this. And when we begin to understand our, our, our immense debt of sin, like really wrestle with it, then we also begin to understand this amazing grace that is preposterous. That, that you owe more than you could ever repay and God loves you more than you could ever deserve. The kingdom of heaven is just like this. He goes on in verse 28. But when that servant went out, this is where it gets crazy. Just, he was just forgiven a, a billion, trillion, quadrillion dollars. It says he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, he said, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Just give me a mother, another month. I, I just, it's just 100 silver coins. I just need more time. I, I'm working some overtime this week and I'm going to be able to pay this thing back. And he says, no, you're going to pay me exactly what you owe me right now. Verse 30, he says, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. Essentially, the servant was like forgiven a billion, trillion, quadrillion dollars, right? And then he goes and chokes a dude that owes him 17 bucks. <clears throat> that's pretty much what that's equivalent to. 17 bucks. And Jesus makes this hyperbole to make a point, right? That we desire in, for ourselves, we desire to receive grace for ourselves and yet dole out justice to other people. Like, God, I'm so grateful that you, you just, you forgave a hundred billion, trillion, quadrillion dollars, but, but this guy owes me 17 bucks and he's going to pay it. And if he can't, I'm going to hold him and put him in jail. How often do I deal with people based, I want them to deal with me based upon my, atten my intentions, but I deal with them based upon their actions. I want you to believe the best in me, but I'm going to believe the worst in you. How often do I treat the crimes that have been committed against me far greater than the crimes that I've committed against God? And Jesus continues in verse 32. He says, then the master called the servant in and he takes this seriously. He says, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours, the billion quadrillion dollars because you begged me to. And then watch what the master asks the servant, and this is the question. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? That God's forgiveness of your sin precedes your forgiveness of others. Let me say that one more time. God's forgiveness of your sin precedes your forgiveness of others. In other words, this whole idea of forgiving someone is absolutely preposterous. It is. And if you're here and you're not a Christian and you're like, man, what the heck? What kind of cult am I in here? This is ridiculous. I'm going to let people off the hook because they, they abuse me and stuff? I mean, this, is, this is disgusting. This is weird, right? It sounds absolutely preposterous unless you have received absolutely preposterous forgiveness yourself. It's the only way it makes sense that God's forgiveness of your sins precedes your forgiveness of others. And he asked this question. He says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? I think that is the question that every single one of us, if you're a Christ follower, has to wrestle to the ground. That, that, that you are to forgive according to what you have received, not according to what they deserve. Let me say that one more time. You are to forgive according to what you have received, 
not according to what they deserve. In other words, like don't, don't look at the problem and they like consider if they're worthy. Look at the cross and consider if you are worthy. This is, this is the scenario. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Because if you choose to forgive someone based upon whether they deserve it or not, you never will forgive them. I'm just going to let you know that. Because they're never going to come to the point where they deserve it. Why? Because you're asking them to repay a debt that they cannot repay. If they say horrible things about you, let me just tell you, I'm sorry just doesn't make up for horrible things that have been done to you, does it? They can never repay that. Maybe your uncle owes you your childhood or, 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 or your purity. He could never bring that back, even if he did say sorry. That reality still rolls around on the inside of us. And we're really good at rehashing hurts, aren't we? We're really good at like <laughs> rehearsing narratives in our minds. I've laid in bed at night rehashing conversations. Have you ever done that? Anyone? Anyone wake up at three in the morning and have like imaginary fights with people? <laughs> and you say all the things that you could have said, would have said, should have said, and man, if I had only in this wood, oh my goodness. Like, and, and, and you start weaving the web of all of the things that have ever happened, bad things that have ever been done to you in your entire life, and you figured it all out, and you know everybody's motives, and you know all the things that are going on, and you, you I mean, man, uh, I've been there three o'clock in the morning. You got it all figured out three o'clock in the morning, being counseled by the devil and not even knowing it. <laughs> Holding on with a death grip to unforgiveness. Why? Because let me just tell you why. I, I can lay it all out. I wrote it down at three in the morning in my diary. Dear diary. <laughs> little black book of death, right? <laughs> not the book of life, the book of death. This is where I'm going to bury them in my backyard, right here. I made the plot, right? I mean, we've got it all figured out at 3 o'clock in the morning. And the sobering reality, church, is there are maybe some people that need to hear this message because of what you've done to them. sobering. Which is why Jesus wants to set us free. There's this scripture, I love it, in Matthew, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. I love it because it talks about faith. He says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that, that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And I'm like, yeah, like chucking mountains in faith. Hallelujah, stinking luya. That sounds awesome. I get whatever I ask for. Oh my goodness, this is amazing, right? Like, it's like hitting the jackpot. Like, what, I believe in faith that that, that that which I speak and that which I say is a thing that I'm going to get. Man, this is awesome. I love this. And then, verse 25. Jesus could have just stopped at verse 24, and it would have been awesome. It'd be like, put a period there, end a chapter, let's move on. And then he, he says verse 25, which completely messes it up. Completely messes it up. Let me read for you. Right after he just should have dropped the mic, he picks it back up and he says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Come on, Jesus. Tell me more about chucking mountains and giving everything I ask for. Tell me more about that stuff. What does my unforgiveness have to do with anything? I don't understand why you would even have, it seems like it's completely, yeah, verse 23, verse 24, hallelujah, chucking mountains, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. And then all of a sudden he's like, and then you got to forgive everybody or else I won't forgive you. Whoa, 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 what, 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 what? Like apparently, it has a whole lot more to do with than meets the eye. Apparently, there is something supernatural that happens when we forgive. According to Jesus, there's this connection between how we treat one another and how God treats us. 
<sighs> Look what happens uh, to the servant who would not forgive in verse 34. It says, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. So this word, um, jailer, could also be translated tormentor or torturer. So what does that even mean? I, I think it means that if, if you choose to hold on to an offense, it only tortures you. How much do we know that to be true? Like he's saying, if you refuse to release forgiveness, you will be unable to receive forgiveness because <laughs> you can't hold on to both at the same time. Like what if you chose to set someone free only to realize that that person was you? This is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking. He said, like, forgiveness has nothing really to do with that other person or what they've done or the offense. It really has everything to do with freedom for you. And it feels like, man, I don't know. This feels weird. I don't even like talking about this. And you're bringing this, this, this up. You don't understand what I, what's happened, what, what's going on in me. And, and, and when we talk about this, we, and me personally, I mean, I've struggled through this whole week with this message. I was like, um, we have this inner dialogue that happens, just like Peter, when he comes up. Exactly how many times? Was it one, two, seven times? Is that enough? We have this inner dialogue, and we, 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 we start to, you know, rationalize and maybe get defensive. We have concerns or questions or outrages or we need some clarification on this. So let me just give you really quickly what forgiveness is not, because I think it's important for us to understand what it's not just as much as we understand what it is. Let me give you, I've got like nine things really quick. First one, what forgiveness is not. If you want to write this down, it might help you if you're struggling and, and, and feeling like it's just like on the inside. Forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin that has been committed against you. Let me say that one more time. Forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin that has been committed against you. I would actually argue that forgiveness is actually recognizing sin and the destruction that it causes. I've taught my kids for, for years and years, and even when they were little kids, you know, when they hurt each other, because kids hurt, hurt, hurt each other, right? They, they say things, they bonk each over the head, they, they get into fights and scraps and all those types of things. And, and my kids would fight, and, and, uh, and I'd be like, well, you need to say that you're sorry. You know, you say that, and they're like... I'm sorry, not, no, say it like you mean it, right? I'm sorry. And the other kid, and this is what we normally say, they'd be like, oh, that's okay. And I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not okay. It's not okay. I'm not, I'm not diminishing or approving of what they did to you. I'm asking you to forgive them to cancel that debt. And so, so some, and sometimes we think, well, if I forgive them, then I'm just pretty much saying it's okay. It's not okay. Jesus doesn't say for us to say, well, the thing that, that has been done to me, this person who cheated on me, this person who stole from me, this person who did this thing, is, it's okay. I'm just going to brush it under the rug. It's okay. No. He's actually saying recognize the sin, recognize it for what has happened, and choose to cancel it, to set yourself free. The second thing forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not um, saying that you can no longer confront people. You can forgive someone and still confront them. You might remember what spurred on this whole story, this parable, was Jesus talking about that very thing. This is how you confront people. You go to them one at a time. If they don't listen to you, you bring along a friend. If they don't listen to you, you bring along the church. If they don't listen to you, like literally he talks about, it's all about confrontation. So do not think that forgiving someone just means that oh, I guess I just have to act like it never happened. I can't, I can't talk about it, can't confront them. That's not what forgiveness is. Number three, forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Because you may never get the I'm sorry to. You may never get it. So if you go into a situation hoping, thinking, I'm going to apologize and just say, listen, I'm really sorry that you overreacted. 
And I was hoping, oh, don't, did you want to say something back to me? You may never get an I'm sorry to. You may just get a, well, thank you very much. <laughs> and that's the difficulty of it. You may never get it, an apology. Number four, forgiveness does not mean that there are no punishments or consequences. I can forgive you, and you may still go to jail for what you did. I mean, depending on, depending on the sin that has been committed. Like, I can, you can forgive somebody, and they still have a consequence. I can forgive someone, and we may not be besties. But remember this, that ultimate justice comes through Jesus. Scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Our, our job isn't to do that. Our job is to forgive and, and, and give them over to Jesus. Number five, forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not. It doesn't mean that you just like, I, I, I personally, I've never been able to just have the spiritual gift of amnesia. I, I'm not on Days of Our Lives or General Hospital where we, they get amnesia all the time. It must be nice, right? Just be like, I just wish that I got amnesia, just like these soap opera stars. Like every single person gets amnesia. Don't you just wish sometimes that like the thing that had happened, you just, I just don't even, I forgive and I forget. Oh, that's bull. It's bull. Let's just, let's just admit it. You remember it. I think sometimes it's not forgetting. Sometimes it's remembering, and that's okay. It just means that that sting that it had once in your life no longer exists. So don't think that you have to forget what they've done. Well, I haven't forgiven them because I still remember. <laughs> of course you do. You're a human being with a brain. So of course you're going to still remember. Number six, forgiveness is not a one-time event. That's not a one-time event. Sometimes we're like, well, I, I've forgiven them. You know, somebody says their name. Hey, have you seen Susie lately? Don't say that. Shh, don't say their name. They're forgiven. <laughs> that is the name that shall not be named, right? We, we don't say that name in our family anymore. Why? Why? They're forgiven under the blood, right? Are you kidding me right now? It's not a one-time event. It's this reality that like somebody's going to, you're going to see them in the grocery store. Somebody's going to bring them up and, and all of a sudden this thing starts coming. Jesus, wow, I thought that I had, I thought I'd, Lord Jesus, I forgive them fresh and again today. Help me work through this. It's just not this one and done thing. Just like everything in our lives. It's, it's a process. It's continual. And sometimes people are really good at continuing to do stupid aren't they? You're like, man, I forgave you, and then you did it again. This is the seventh time, you idiot. Like, are you kidding me right now? You feel like Peter. You're like, how many times, Lord? I'm pretty sure it's been 490, because I'm married to her, and I know that, like, you know what I mean? You get to this place where you're like, what do I do when it's been 491? Hallelujah! Right? Like, I don't have to forgive anymore. Like, and I think that Jesus is just like, no, 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 I'm not that. I wish it was, right? I, I wish that this would... I wish it was a math problem. Number seven, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Many times uh, people think, well, if I forgive someone, then I have to be best friends with them. Like if I forgive them, then we have to hold hands everywhere we go. If I forgive them, then we have to get BFF necklaces. And everything has to be all better because I've forgiven them, so now I have to be like, no, no, that's actually not true. Like, it takes one person to forgive and it takes two people to reconcile. That's a big deal. Which means that unless there is both repentance by the guilty and forgiveness by the victim, there can be no reconciliation. So you can forgive somebody and maybe still not even be in relationship with them. But just like the Word of God says, that as far as it depends on you, live at peace. That's the difficulty of those two things. Uh, number eight, forgiveness does not mean that you should be a doormat. You're like, oh, good. I'll talk to people, and this is, this is the hard part, especially like a new Christian coming in. They're like, listen, um... So my dad molested me, and I've forgiven him. So um, does that mean that I should let him 
babysit my kids? Nope. Thank you. She beat me to it. Nope. No, it does not. Forgiveness does not mean that you need to be a doormat. You come to me and you're like, well, you know, uh, my, my, my boyfriend uh, abused me, but he says he's sorry and I forgive him. So should we just act like nothing happened? Nope. Nope. Actually, forgiveness does not mean that God is all about abusive and toxic relationships. <laughs> forgiveness uh, does not mean that you get to lose the right to protect yourself. That is not forgiveness. I guess I just need to roll over and act like everything's fine and, and hide and, 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 and act, you know, just forgive. No, that's not how, that's not forgiveness. All right, number nine, last one. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's more than a feeling. Thank you. See, I, I don't think I have ever consciously thought that person who hurt me, abused me, disrespected me, offended me, mistreated me, talked to me about me behind my back, I just feel like forgiving them. I've never come to, maybe you're like, well, you're not holy like me, obviously, because I think about it every day. Like, I've never come to this place where I'm just like, in my heart, I'm just like, oh, just in my heart of hearts, I just feel like forgiving them. They've been crummy, they've done all the, uh, it's, it's more than a feeling. It's honestly a supernatural thing when he actually took pity, that he, Jesus was moved with compassion, that it is only people who have been forgiven of this absolutely preposterous, immense weight of guilt and shame of sin can ever truly say, you know what, I, because of what Christ has done in my life, I can, I can forgive. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And then Jesus closes this story with this very odd statement, verse 35. Then he drops the mic. He says this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Which seems a little weird because all of a sudden it goes from like, okay, fine, you don't have to pay me back the 17 bucks because I've been given the billion quadrillion dollars. So I'm like, fine, keep your 17 bucks. It's, it's all fine. Okay, great. Now it changes to forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Like you are to forgive from your heart. What, what does it even mean? I think it means that it may not make a lick of sense in your mind, but it makes perfect sense in your heart. It's like, man, they still don't deserve it, and I don't even like them, and I'm really struggling with this. But like, if this is really true, then then it is actually in my best interest for, for even my own freedom to forgive from my heart. So I was asking the Lord this week, I was actually talking to, to Pastor Tom, and I'm like, you know, how do you know? How do you know when you've forgiven someone? You ever wondered that? I do. I mean, you think you have, and then and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't know. Like all of a sudden that it, three o'clock in the morning rolls around again, and you're all wild up and you're like, ah, I thought I'd forgiven them. And, and, and you just, you're just rolling around through that. Like, how do I know if I've forgiven from the heart? I want to just share a scripture with you really quick. I was led to this scripture in Matthew chapter five, verse 44. Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I mean, he says that kind of stuff a lot, Jesus. Like he, all the time, like, stop it. And it hit me, what if forgiveness looks like that? Mm. I don't like it either. Like, what if, um, what if it looks like love and bless and do good and pray for? I wonder if forgiveness is not simply something that we think with our minds, but what if forgiveness is something that we do? 
that we ask God, God, I need you to give me a heart of compassion because I don't even want to move. Um, but Jesus was moved with compassion and it was out of what he felt and what he knew that the Father was, was calling him to, that he had the ability, empowered him to actually do the thing that he did, maybe didn't even want to do. Like, I need you to move me, move my heart with compassion, Jesus. And then I just pray that you'd bless them. I pray everything that is of you would come to fruition. Lord, I, I release them to you. And not only do I release them to you, I pray for them, God, and I release their debt that they owe me because they couldn't pay it back if they wanted to. So Jesus, we just pray a blessing over them. Why don't you stand with me? I want, I, want to try, I want to do something today as we end. I, I know that like when I start, I start talking about this and we read through this scripture, that there's something that maybe someone, there's an incident, there's a person, there's a thing that has happened to you that like it just starts coming up and you try to push it down. I've forgiven them, you know, like I just want to take a moment and I just want, I just, I, I just want to implore you to ask of the Lord. God, is there anyone that you're just calling me that I just, I just need to forgive right now? Just ask the Lord of that right now. Lord, is there any, anyone right now that you're just calling me to forgive? Allow him to speak it to you. Not me. It's not the person next to you. It's not even yourself. Allow him to highlight that person in your life. Now, is there, just between you and God, I just, maybe you just take a moment, and if God's showing you someone, just take a moment, just raise your hand, just say, God, I, I hear you. I know this, I know it. I know who it is. I know what they've done. And let's take a moment and work through it. Let's take a moment and, 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 and put this into action. Let's respond to the call of God right now in your life. And the first thing I want you to realize is that forgiving someone does not make them right. It just makes you free. So, if that's what forgiveness is, and who wouldn't want it? Who wouldn't want to be free? Who wouldn't want to be held down by dragging this chain of pain and regret? Who wouldn't want to allow the, the pain and the hurt that somebody else has caused and their, their ugliness and their stupidity to affect me today? So if that's where you're at today, I just want to maybe just put your hand over your heart as we pray. First, Lord, we just pray right now that you would move us with compassion for that person. And maybe you pray that. Take a moment and pray that right now to the Lord. God, I pray you would move my heart with compassion. And you may not feel it, and you may not have it in your mind, but I just pray, God, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, move us Move us by your spirit to be moved with compassion. Hmm. Give me the want to, Lord, when I don't want to. And now maybe you just take a moment and just say, Lord, because of your great grace in my life, I release their debt today. Just speak it. I release their debt. I release what they owe me. 
because they couldn't pay it back if they even wanted to. I release it today. I release what they owe me. <laughs> and maybe you take a moment right now and you pray a blessing over them. You're like, are you kidding me? This is taking too far. No, I mean it. it. Doesn't make them right, it makes you free. Lord Jesus, I just pray blessing over them, whatever that looks like. I pray your will be done in their life. I release not only what they've done, I release them over to you. I pray that everything that is of you would come to fruition and everything that is not of you would fall off into the pit of hell. And so Jesus, I pray blessing over them and their life as I release them over to you. We pray blessing because it, really, it, it forces forgiveness to move out of our head and into our hearts. And so Jesus, have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. And we're gonna take a moment, we're gonna sing this last song together. I just encourage you, out of the abundance of release that God has done in you, the miracle of forgiveness that, that you've just chosen to walk in today, I pray that you would worship him out of the abundance of joy. That I pray right now, God, as we worship you, that that burden of shame, that burden of guilt, the burden of word curses and generational curses, the burden of all those things that have been said or done against us, Lord, that that thing, would, we would leave it at the foot of the cross. And it doesn't make them right, it just makes us free. And so as we walk forward today from this place on, Lord, we realize that it is only through your grace, it is only through the preposterous, radical grace and forgiveness of our immense debt of sin in our lives that this is even possible. And so God, we do it from our heart because our, even from our mind, it doesn't make any sense. And so Jesus, we choose to walk in it, in your truth in your truth. Let's worship him, church. Let's worship him today. Lord, we thank you for freedom because it is for freedom that we have been set free. Let's worship him today. Thank you, Jesus.